0: So we've gathered together this morning to pray that the Patriots would lose by 50 points. No, 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 that would be silly. We're, we're actually going to pray they would lose by 70 points. <laughs> I don't even know the other team who's playing, so... <laughs> We're kicking off a new series today. I want to introduce you to five people at the start of this series. The first person's name is Anxious Megan. Here she is. Anxious Megan is facing burnout and she decides to go away on a retreat with this epic ocean view. And she gets there and it's exactly the ideal place for her to retreat, to get a little silence, to get a little solitude, and uh, she arrives, but as she starts to attempt to settle in, she realizes that although she's in this beautiful setting, she cannot shut down the chatter of her mind. Her mind is still racing. She's got this ocean view. It is a beautiful, quiet, silent retreat space, but she cannot settle down. Her anxi- anxiety, her anxiousness, follows her there, and so eventually she just gives up, starts streaming some Netflix, and this is Megan. She wants to rest, but her racing thoughts refuse to slow down. Second person, avoider, Reuben. Reuben. Uh, walks into his counselor's office, slouches on the chair, and says, I don't know what is the matter with me. I just keep falling asleep on the couch in front of the TV every night. Now, here's the thing to know about Ruben. He has no problem attracting women. But once he starts to get close to somebody, he kind of freaks out with the emotions that come along with intimacy, he doesn't trust himself to play the dating game. He wants to avoid all the com- confusing emotions that come once he starts to be in a meaningful relationship. He wants to avoid that. Uh, he didn't know um, really what to do with all these confusing emotions and desires, and his greatest fear, he confides, is just that he will never experience lasting love. Avoider Reuben. Third person, envious Jenna. Uh, Jenna says to you, while having coffee, she says, uh, I wish I had my best friend's life. And then she tells you that yesterday she found herself daydreaming about her friend getting doused by a big wave while she was on her you know, beachside photo shoot for the Christmas card. <laughs> and she just is envious. And she's filled with jealousy. And she wonders, why is her life so great while I am constantly struggling? Envious Jenna. She has these unfulfilled longings inside of her. She doesn't know what to do with them. She's prayed, she's talked to God about her jealousy, but she sometimes just wonders, has He forgotten about her entirely? Because from her vantage point, it looks like all the blessings fall on her friend. So she doesn't know what to do with all this envy, and then she doesn't know what to do with all the guilt that follows the envy. That's Jenna. Shame-filled Tom. So shame-filled Tom cannot bring himself to tell his wife that he was passed over for the promotion that they have been counting on all year. When he was just today first, you know, passed over for that promotion, he was filled with so much shame that the soundtrack in his mind was one he has known his whole life. Like, why are you such a loser? Nothing good will ever come of you. So when he gets home from work after this devastating news, and his wife says, how was your day today? It's a great, it's a great day. And he knows that an unruly tsunami of emotions are about to follow. Shame-filled Tom. Fifth person, angry Lynn. She says, a part of me hates being the bad guy, but another part of me gets so annoyed with incompetencies. She's a pediatric resident, and uh, she basically would say, my colleagues at the hospital, they just slow me down. Whenever she gets a review, her supervisors say the exact same thing over and over. They say, she's amazing with the clinical skills, has a tough time with people. And when she receives this consistent feedback from her supervisors, she says, Oh, I got to keep it in. I got to keep my mouth shut. I need to hold it together. But she cannot seem to control this volcanic rage that comes up inside of her. Angry Lynn is a competent professional. But she just feels so out of control sometimes. (coughs) Today, we're starting a new series called Help What Do I Do With My Overwhelming Emotions? This is a series about boundaries for your soul. It's also a series about praying the Psalms. And the core idea of this series came from a book called Boundaries for Your Soul. Uh, which I recommend to you because these authors say it much better than I probably will. But in the 1970s, since then, there has been a popular movement around boundaries in relationships. Most of you have probably read about this. The idea is simply that you can have healthy emotional distance in your most important relationships, and you can say no when that is needed. So just like we can have boundaries in our relationships, we can also have boundaries with the overwhelming parts of ourselves, those overwhelming emotions within us. What do you do with overwhelming emotions when they come? Because they come to everybody. Are we just victims to the Overflowing, overwhelming, tidal wave like emotions that come? Are we victims to what we feel? Tim and I have been very involved with premarital ministry for 15 years, and not too long ago, I was talking with a couple, premarital couple, uh, miserable, both of them miserable, unhappy in this relationship, definitely some like emotional abuse stuff going on. um, But this was one of the comments that was made in the context of that. You can't choose who you love. And the victim sentiment behind that stayed with me. You can't choose who you love. So what do we do with our overwhelming emotions? Today, I want to talk about three things that have been hugely helpful to me I want to share with you. First of all, with our overwhelming emotions, we can befriend them. Second, we can invite. Third, we can unburden. So first of all, we can befriend our unwanted emotions, our overwhelming emotions. The psalmist says this, Surely, I have stilled and quieted my soul. This is possible to befriend our overwhelming emotions. Henry Nouwen says, a part of you was left behind very early in life, the part that never felt completely received. It is full of fears. Meanwhile, you grew up with many survival skills, the other part of you, but you want yourself to be one, to be whole, to be integrated. There are kind of two opposite unhealthy ways of relating to overwhelming emotions. You can, on one hand, keep them too close. On the other hand, you can keep them too far away. If you keep your overwhelming emotions too close, you risk being overwhelmed by them. But if you are too far away from your emotions, you risk being cut off from them. And when you cut yourself off from your emotions, they pop up in other places, almost like (laughs) whack-a-mole. Get down. They pop up somewhere else. The overwhelming emotions we all experience, sadness, fear, anxiety, shame, anger it is like there is a monster knocking on the door of your life and for some of you the tendency is to say come on in monster sit down and stay here forever and for others of you the tendency is to banish the monster away too close or too far away the errors of the world come in pairs But just like you can have healthy boundaries with other people, you also can have healthy boundaries with the overwhelming emotions in you. A lot of times, just well-meaning people, and I've done this to myself for sure, well-meaning people can be critical, can be judgmental, can shut down and banish the overwhelming feelings as they come suppress them or condemn them. Probably one of the most common responses to unwanted uh, emotions is to just say, I need to get over this. i got to stop thinking this way. But that is not helpful because just like a beach ball that gets pushed underwater, when we push those emotions under, they eventually pop back up. The body keeps the score. Soren Kirk, Uh, Soren Kierkegaard said this, the most common form of despair is not being who you are. It's kind of like we can imagine these overwhelming feelings are like a bunch of unruly children on a school bus. Your life is the bus. The unruly children are these emotions But inside of you is a mature adult bus driver who has the ability to stand up and to, with compassion and kindness and curiosity, listen to the kids, direct and lead and guide them to sit back down until the bus is calm again. And that mature person inside of you is your spirit-led self, your spirit-led self if you're if you tend to be a person who keeps emotions too close, it tends to sound like this. Other people always let me down. Playing the victim. Or if you keep your emotions too close, it might sound like this. I'll just keep giving and suffering for everybody else. Martyrdom. If you keep your emotions too close, it might sound like this. Is always gonna be this way is never going to change. Sense of hopelessness. If you tend to be a person like I do, cut yourself off from your emotions, muscle through. If you tend to be too far from your emotions, it tends to sound like this. She made me angry, and it's all her fault. Blaming. Or maybe it sounds like this. It's just too painful to talk about. Let's move on. Let's talk about something else. Avoiding. Or maybe it sounds like this, hopes, dreams, been there, done that, not going there again, denying any need. So to befriend an overwhelming emotion is to focus on it, to name it, to not judge it, but to be curious and compassionate towards it sadness. Here you are befriending that, noticing that, naming that. And the goal is not to just get rid of these emotions, but to lead them with curiosity and compassion. So the first thing we have to do, befriend them, focus on them, name them. The second thing is to invite Jesus to be near. James 4 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So the first step is literally For me, to write in my journal, what am I feeling? Write it down. And the second step is to invite Jesus to be near. Jesus, what would you want to say about this overwhelming sadness? Jesus, what would you want to say to me about all this envy inside? Jesus, what would you have to say to my overwhelming anger? First we notice it. Then we invite Jesus to draw near. You can relate in a compassionate way to these parts of yourself that need your attention, and you can hone the capacity to quiet down that sometimes chaotic inner world. 1 Corinthians 2 says, we have received the Spirit who is from God. See, a lot of Christ followers have been through Calvary and Easter morning, but they've never been to Pentecost. We have received the Spirit who is from God, and you do not have to be overwhelmed by your thoughts and feelings. You have the ability to lead them And to guide them by the Spirit of God. That is your spirit led self. Your spirit led self is simply you when you are being led by God's Spirit. That's your spirit led self. You when you're being led by God's Spirit. And God's Spirit resides in you. So you have agency, you do not have to be a victim to your overwhelming feelings as Christ prepared to die, he told his followers that his spirit would be with them. He said, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Your spirit led self is you being led by God's spirit. And in any given moment, No matter what the overwhelming emotion, in any given moment, you can choose whether to walk in the Spirit or walk on your own. With any tidal wave of emotion, you can choose whether to walk in the Spirit or walk on your own. In other words, God has given you agency, you are not a victim. He invites us to participate in this work that he is doing in our lives. And the task is not to just blindly trust in our thoughts and feelings, but rather to lead our thoughts and feelings in step with God's Holy Spirit. Dallas Willard says this. He says the soul can be significantly reprogrammed. That's encouraging news. The soul can be significantly reprogrammed, and this is a major part of what goes into spiritual formation or reformation of the person. In other words, when you care for your soul, you are reprogramming, you are reforming the contours of your inner world, of your interior life, You're reshaping and redefining your thoughts and feelings and sometimes your actions. You're you're taking responsibility for creating and maintaining those interior personal boundaries. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this, uh, Give all your worries to God because he cares for you. And this is the third step. First we befriend, then we invite Jesus to draw near. Third, we unburden. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. And one of the great resources that we have available to us is the book of Psalms in the Bible. Psalms was the prayer book that Jesus used. When Jesus cried out in prayer, often he was praying the Psalms. He was speaking the Psalms. And in the Psalms, we see David as he's expressing these prayers, he does not suppress emotion, but he also does not just simply succumb to a blind outburst of emotion. Consistently woven throughout the entire book of Psalms is this regular surrender of emotion to the throne of God where it can be reformed and transformed. It's not a suppression, and it's not just a blind handing over and giving myself, I'm a victim to whatever I feel. It is a surrender. It is a befriending. It is an inviting Jesus in. It is an unburdening, bringing my emotions to God. Consider for a minute just all the emotions mentioned in this psalm, Psalm 37. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry, turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper, it only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. Have you noticed our active minds are very good at staying active and just replaying the same soundtrack over and over and over and over? But with God's help, we can quiet our minds, we can experience calm. And peace. We can unburden our overwhelming emotions. Now, praying the Psalms is just one way, one way to focus our minds and hearts on things above rather than that constant chatter that tends to go on in our minds. A couple weeks ago, I was gearing up for a courageous conversation and I found myself writing the words of that conversation in my mind over and over and then tweaking them and wordsmithing them and what I'm going to say and how I'm going to say it and the tone I'm going to use. And I started to realize I was kind of anxious about this courageous conversation. And so I took out my journal and I literally wrote down, what are you feeling? (laughs) Stage one, befriend, notice, name, For some of you, like me, this is the hardest step. But I wrote down, anxious. And then I just simply said, Jesus, what would you want to say to me about this anxiety I have about this conversation? And I just waited. And I had this sense, what came to mind was, do not fear, I'm with you. And then I started praying that, Saul, many of you may be familiar with Psalm 139, which just says, you've searched me, God, you know me, you know when I sit, you know when I rise, you're familiar with all my ways. And then this line, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. And when I prayed that line, It was like an unburdening happened in my body. Because I'm sitting there wordsmithing this conversation. How am I going to say it? What am I going to say What words am I going to use? Before a word is on my tongue. You know it completely, God. Praying the Psalms is just one way to be a part of the unburdening that God's spirit desires to do in us. It's often said that you can't can't give what you don't have. Have you heard people say this? You can't give what you don't have. Typically it's said like, You can't give energy to your children if you don't have energy. You can't give what you don't have, so take time and go get a massage. It's usually like a um, phrase to promote self-care. You can't give what you don't have. Do you know what is scarier than that? You can give what you do have. And if what you have inside of you is anxiety and anger and fear and shame. That is actually what you give the people you love. Because invisible things are real. They are very real. And if you do not transform those overwhelming emotions with God's help, you will transmit them. And do you know who the best detectors of this ever are? Children. <laughs> like when Russell says to me, Mommy, are you angry? Hmm. I didn't think I was angry. <laughs> but kids have an amazing ability to pick up on the invisible, overwhelming emotions that we tend to hide. What's scarier than? you can't give what you don't have, is, oh, you can give what you do have. And if what you have inside is anxiety and anger and fear and shame, that's what you actually give to the people you love. But the good news is God's spirit resides in you. And you can pause in the middle of an overwhelming emotion. You can say, what is that? Oh, that's anger. Jesus, what would you want to say to me about this anger? You can participate in a spiritual practice, of which there are many. Praying the Psalms is just one. But to ask God to unburden that, because if you do not transform that pain, you will transmit that pain. And imagine for a minute if Megan, the girl who went on the silent retreat by the ocean, imagine if she went on that retreat to escape burnout. Imagine if she gained perspective and learned to pay attention to her racing thoughts. Might she be able to connect with God in an empowering, life-giving way? And what about Reuben? Imagine, avoider Reuben. What if he were to reconcile these conflicting desires? Might he find true love in his life? Be able to Engage in intimate relationships? What if Jenna was to listen to her envy? Might she gain some insight into qualities that maybe she herself is longing to develop? Might she feel and sense God's kindness towards her? And what about Tom? If Tom could gain some perspective on his shame, might he be able to share the sorrow and the heartbreak of being passed over for the promotion with his wife and then experience the joy of true intimacy with her? An angry Lynn. What if she grew to understand her anger? Might she be able to care for that subtle but deep-seated part of her that fears rejection? Allow God to care for that and then be able to advocate for herself effectively? If it is true for these five, I think it's true for you. Let's pray together as we close. Oh God, you have searched us and you know us. You know when we sit and when we rise. You're familiar with all our ways. You know when we're taken by a tidal wave of emotion. And you know we are not a victim to those feelings. I pray, God, that in step with your spirit, you might help us to be led, to be guided by our spirit-led selves, (laughs) by... Following your spirit, by walking in step with your spirit, by abiding in your spirit. We thank you that the container for this whole relationship with you is mercy and kindness and goodness and love. May we grow deep roots in you. And would you, God, Would you transform the pain-filled places in our lives that we might look and act and emulate more of you. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.